Well, happy Sunday to you guys, and go ahead and have a seat. Uh, if you're with us for the first time, or you're worshiping with us online, uh, know that we're glad you're here with us, with us today. For those that are online, know that we, uh, we know you're with us. We're thankful that you've joined with us. Um, before we jump into Exodus, I want to give a picture of the next couple months for our church uh, with, with sermon series and uh, upcoming events that I'm, I'm personally really excited about. Uh, first, I want to make you all aware uh, that college students will be returning to campus over the next several weeks. Uh, August 24th uh, is when they start class, so uh, we're gearing up for their arrival. In fact, Carson, who was just leading worship for us, is one of the college students we've been investing in remotely over the summer. Um, and for those that remember, uh, we strategically planted near USF uh, and not the beach so that we can invest in college students. Um, you know, we want to invest in, raise up. Uh, and send out college students all over uh, to live on mission all over the world. You know, we'll have students come and go, but while they're here, we want to instill in them a passion for, uh, for God and His mission. And because, as you know, our, our passion and heartbeat uh, at New City Church is to see, God, to see lives radically changed by the gospel and to reach the world with the gospel. And what we say here often is if, if we reach the campus, we can reach the world. And so we've got some really neat, uh, safe, socially distance uh, opportunities coming up uh, for college students that I'm really excited about. And so I want to call you guys to specifically be praying for college students uh, as they start to arrive on campus over the next several weeks. And secondly, um, we're going to be hosting a night of prayer and worship uh, for our church coming up very soon at the very end of August, uh, probably on a Monday night. We're still working out details for this, but we think we found a space big enough to where we don't have to do a setup. Uh, we can spread out with plenty of space. Uh, you know, just think of uh, the Rays baseball, Rays baseball game pre-COVID, uh, so that will likely be what it will be like. We'll be on, the, be on the lookout for more information there. And then thirdly, our groups will be officially starting back again in the next uh, week or two. Uh, you know, this past summer, our groups have done different things. Uh, but we're gonna re when we resume, we're going to move back to sermon-based uh, community groups, small city groups, uh, and every group will seek to, to walk in wisdom and make decisions based on what's going on in their group. Um, you know, some will be, uh, will have, try to have both remote and in-person options. And so be on the lookout from your city group leaders uh, for, regarding this fall. And then lastly, as we uh, wrap up the first half of Exodus, um, we're going to take a, you know, we're going to, the first half is this summer. The second half we'll, we'll look at next summer. We're going to take a, a pause in Exodus, and we're going to do a brief mini-series that I've thought it titled Hot Topics in a Divided World, uh, using the tail end of Romans as our, as our anchor. Um, you know, if you know me, you know that topical sermons are not my uh, favorite. I would almost always default to walking through books of the Bible, uh, expositionally, verse by verse. But every now and then, um, I, I think uh, looking at specific themes or topics is helpful when we use uh, using God's entire uh, word, God's, the entire scope of God's word. And so in this mini-series, we're going to address two specific topics uh, that I think will be important, uh, that I think are important where we are in the world. You know, and those topics are going to be justice and politics. Looking at what God says about justice, de developing a healthy theology of justice for our church. You know, this, this is a word that has been said a lot recently, and it's a biblical term. Uh, and so I think it would be helpful to see what God's word says, specific, especially and specifically about justice. And then secondly, we're going to talk about politics. You know, I'm not a super political guy, I never really have been, um, but as we get into an election this fall, uh, in a small church like ours, um, you know, even in big church, I mean, for all, church, all church sizes, everybody uh, will have different opinions on different issues. 
Um, and what the enemy would love to do is to divide God's people. And so the hope coming out of this mini-series is to remind it that amidst our differences, we can be united under the banner of the gospel. We're, we're under the authority of God's word. We're, gonna, we're living out on mission. We're living, living the mission that God has placed on each of our lives. And so we've, we've got a God-given mission and vision that the enemy wants to dismantle in the divided world. And so I think this is important uh, for us to deal with these topics head on. I believe that it's needed, and I think it'll be really healthy for us uh, with where we are. And then after that, we're going to spend 10 weeks going through uh, the book of Philippians. It's a letter that's addressed, that addresses a new church plant uh, and calls them to rejoice. And so I think this also will be very time for, timely for us coming on the second half of 2020. And so New City Church, I'm really excited and hopeful for the fall, believing that God wants to continue to work in us and work through us. I'm still fervently praying for God to do far more than we could ever ask or imagine, even in an upside-down COVID world. And so every challenge and obstacle we face, it's an opportunity to show the world that our ultimate hope is found in Jesus Christ. Our, our hope is not found in anything this world has to offer. It's not found in an election, and it's not found in a vaccine. Uh, no, our hope is in heaven. Our hope is in Jesus Christ crucified. And so, New City Church, I pray that we'll, I hope that you'll be in, in fervent prayer, uh, praying and begging God to move this fall, because as we know, and as we'll see again today, when God moves, God moves in power. May we not lose our fervency uh, in prayer, nor our zeal in faith, because um, we, we have to remember that we're a Holy Spirit-empowered people. We're a Holy Spirit-empowered people. With that said, before uh, we go much further, I want to slow down here and look, uh, get, get into the book of Exodus. And what we've visibly seen in God's Word, we've seen God move in power. Over the past several weeks, uh, we've seen the mighty hand of God put on display through the, through the ten plagues. We saw Egypt uh, in great distress under Pharaoh's rule. We saw, we saw God uh, call and raise up Moses to a hard and difficult task, uh, to go to a fierce and ruthless Pharaoh and call him to let God's people go. And God told Moses uh, what he would do, and, it, and <clears throat> it would be to put on display that he is Yahweh, he's the Lord, that he is powerful uh, and, 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 and personal, and that he can be trusted. Last week, Jason uh, finished up uh, the 10th and final plague, the death of the firstborn, the Passover where God passed over the families who in faith killed a lamb uh, and took the blood of the lamb and put it over the door of the house. Uh, and this was an indication of their faith. So God passed over them, sparing their firstborn. And those who did not do this were not spared. Uh, they received the judgment of God. So this, uh, paired with what we'll see today, uh, was one of the most famous and remembered events in the Old Testament, which brings us to our passage uh, in Exodus 12 that we'll get to in just a second. Uh, so you can go ahead and turn there. Uh, but before we get there, I want to go ahead and give you your main idea, give us our main idea, and it's that remember that the Lord is trustworthy. Remember that the Lord is trustworthy. You know, a lot of what we'll see today are things that God put in place and established so that they would remember what God did in the plagues and in the Passover. And as we'll see, uh, what we'll see today in the mass exodus where people, where God's people are getting out of Egypt. And God does this. God establishes these modes of remembrance because God knows that we're a forgetful people. And we've seen this time and time again in the book of Exodus, and we'll continue to see it in the book of Exodus. And he establishes these things that we're going to see today for his people to remember what he did, reminding them that God can be trusted. And I intentionally say trust here uh, as our, in our main idea because 
I just I believe this is what the Lord has for our church. This is what the Lord has placed in my heart, the idea of trusting the Lord in faith, as well as trusting one another. You know, I really believe that the Lord is calling us to grow in a deep and abiding trust in God and His people, but it starts with the Lord first. Just trusting the Lord in faith. Uh, we have to be a people that daily and continually walk in a trusting relationship with Jesus. And today we'll see specifically that God can be trusted. You know, we could also say here that God is faithful, uh, but I want to highlight the idea of trust because trust is essential in all relationships. And most importantly and primarily, it's, it's, it's important and essential with God. You know, God made a promise. He kept his promise. And by doing what he did with Pharaoh to get his people out of Egypt. And what we'll see today is that God wants his people to remember uh, so that his people will trust him. Because God knows what, what kind of what the Lord has been showing and teaching me recently is that relationships that lack trust will lack depth. And this is, this is in any relationship and especially with the Lord. There is a lack of trust. There is a layer or a barrier that is hindering real, true, and personal depth, a depth that God so desperately wants with his people because he's Yahweh the Lord. And so God had to establish and reestablish trust with his people so they could be taken into the depths to know God as Yahweh who is powerful and personal. And so again, our idea today is remember that God is trustworthy. So we're going to walk through the story. Uh, I'm going to read quite a bit, and we're going to take it in bite-sized chunks. And along the way, I'm going to commentate on a few things. But just so we have a bit of a, of a, of a structure, here's our simple outline for today. Remember the Lord can be trusted for deliverance. Two, remember the Lord is trustworthy by the ordinances. And three, remember the story of the Lamb. And so, and just so you're aware, parts of me, uh, parts of today may feel a bit more theoretical at times. And so if you're uh, not a Christian or you're new to the Bible, uh, I hope that you'll, uh, that you'll try to hang with me here. And if you get lost, uh, know that that's completely okay. If you're confused about something, uh, know that we would love to help you walk alongside of you. Uh, when, when, when we come out of this, I hope that we'll all have something to kind of uh, chew on, remembering that God can be trusted. Uh, so that's, that said, let's go ahead and get the rest of our story. Uh, remembering what we just happened, you know, verse, the, the last verse uh, in verse 32 that Jason read last week, it said, Pharaoh said to Moses and Aaron, take your flocks and your herds and be gone. And then he said, as a, kind of a, as a last ditch effort, and Pharaoh said, and bless me also. Uh, so Pharaoh, again, he was desperate here. And look what it says. We're going to read starting in verse 33. The Egyptians were urgent with the people to send them out of the land in haste. For they said, we shall all be dead. So the people took their dough before it was leavened, their kneading bowls being bound up and their cloaks on their shoulders. The people of Israel had also done as Moses told them. For they had asked the Egyptians for silver and gold, jewelry and for clothing. And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians so that they let them have what they asked. Thus they plundered the Egyptians. And so let's stop there for a second. The mass exodus has begun. This is uh, for those that want to know, this is why they call it Exodus. It was a mass migration, an exit out of Egypt. Uh, they were finally delivered, bringing us to our first point. Number one, remember, the Lord can be trusted for deliverance. When we look at, when we look at this, uh, there's something very subtle but, but significant that happened here that I want to stop and point out in what we just read. Uh, the people of Israel, uh, in this, at this time, they're gathered, they gathered all their stuff, uh, and we saw the people were making, uh, they were making bread, good old-fashioned homemade bread which was very normal because they couldn't buy bread at the store. Their dough had not uh, risen yet. It was, uh, they didn't, they didn't, the leaven had not taken part. 
had gone in, which seems like a random detail to include. But as we'll see as we continue, this detail is part of the story that's remembered. In essence, uh, we see they, they did not have time to wait. Right? Deliverance was happening rapidly. It says in haste. Uh, this was an, an all of a sudden rapid change of events. It's been over 400 years in Egypt, in slavery, under the ruthless rule of Pharaoh and the Egyptians. And then in an instant, right, in a night, it was time to move. And it was time to move quickly, which reminds us that when God moves, God moves in power. In an instant, like the snap of a finger, right, or the blink of an eye. And hear me on this. This is not a one-off event. This is how the Spirit of God moves. The Spirit of God can move like a mighty rushing wind, as it says in Acts 2.2. God can change the heart of a person in an instant. Right? God saved and delivered 3,000 souls in an instant at Pentecost. There are people all over the world today that are being radically changed by the good news of the gospel, that are finding hope and deliverance in Jesus, and in an instant, crossing from death to life. I mean, the life of your neighbor or coworker or friend, the heart, their heart can be changed in an instant. This is how the Spirit of God moves. And what I want, us, I want to ask today as we see this, do we believe this? Right? Do we trust this? I want to call us today to remember this, to not lose sight of the trustworthiness of God to do what he says he'll do, that we would be fervent in prayer, trusting God to move like a mighty rushing wind. Israel was in slavery for 430 years, reminding us that we must also be patient to wait on the Lord. And then they were released in an instant, in one night. We all have different journeys. Many of us have similar ones, but I pray that we would not lose sight of the urgency and zeal to pray and beg God to move in power in an instant. You know, this is a two-sided coin where we wait patiently in faith while also zealously and faithfully praying for God to move in power. Whether it's a person to come to faith or a sin struggle to overcome, maybe, it's, maybe we're just caught into an emotional trap or a cycle of monotony that is stealing our zeal to live the life and mission that God has called us to live. Whatever it is, may we not lose sight that the Lord's timing is perfect and can sometimes feel very slow, like a snail's pace, seeming like 430 years. But while we wait patiently for the Lord, may we not forget that God moves and God moves in power. We should pray and beg God for this daily, right? knowing that this is true, true. And in doing so, it pleases the Lord. Because when we do this, God is showing that God is Yahweh. We're trusting that God is powerful and personal. And he can be trusted. And look what happens next. Just imagine this scene, right? This is the exodus, the mass exit out of Egypt. This is the deliverance. Look at start, starting in verse 37. I'm going to read it. And the people of Israel journeyed from Ramses to Succoth, about 600,000 men on foot, besides women and children. A mixed multitude also went up with them, and very much livestock, both flocks and herds. And they baked unleavened cakes of the dough that they had brought out of Egypt. And it was not leavened, because they were thrust out of Egypt and could not wait, nor had they prepared any provisions for them. I mean, can you imagine this scene? There's 600,000 men, not including women and children. Some have said there's, uh, it, may, it may have been 200 million people total were in this large group. And along with their livestock, uh, their flocks and their herds, it says in verse 38. You know, just to put this into perspective, this would be the equivalent of all of Hillsborough County and Pasco County combined and then throwing a bunch of chickens, 
goats, and sheep for every family. I know it may have felt like a good old-fashioned traveling rodeo. Um, it had to be quite the event. Right? Just all these people with their livestock. Uh, but let's not forget, it, it couldn't have been all that great, uh, because let's not forget they had no bread. Right? They only had unleavened bread, which as we'll see uh, later when we take communion, it's not very filling. I mean, just imagine uh, what was going through their heads in this moment. Right? They were probably elated with joy. They were probably, uh, they were, they were, I mean, they were being delivered. Right? A mass exit out of Egypt was happening. It was an unbelievable scene. God was moving in power. They were experiencing firsthand evidence of God keeping his promise, showing his care for his people, while also mixed with a little healthy dose of fear. I'm wondering, okay, uh, what are we going to do now? Where, do we, uh, where are we going to go? Right, God has shown himself to be trustworthy, to get Israel out of bondage. Now they're going to have to trust God in daily steps of obedience. Walking in faith into what they could not see. Right, God moved in an instant in power. But great faith was still required for the journey ahead. And then, uh, then we see in verse 40. There's a little bit of commentary giving some historical data. Let's look at verse 40. The time that the people of Israel lived in Egypt was 430 years. At the end of 430 years, on that very day, all the hosts of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. It was a night of watching by the Lord to bring them out of the land of Egypt. How great is that? It says a night of watching by the Lord in verse 42. God was watching over them, delivering them out of Egypt. And then it says in the middle of verse 42, it says, so this same night, is a watching kept to the Lord by all the people of Israel throughout their generations. Essentially saying to Israel, I want you to remember this. Don't forget this moment. Right? God watches, God sees, and God delivers. Or God protects. And then after this mass exodus, we see here that we're starting to see the story shift. Right? They had the exodus, and now it's, it's shifting where God is setting in place ordinances. There's regular ceremonial routines that are put in place for them to remember this incredible event. Brings us to our second point. Number two, remember the Lord is trustworthy by the ordinances. Right? By, by taking part and practicing the ordinances. Everything we see here as we finish out our story will be ways for God's people to remember Right, this, this, this significant event, this famous event, or the, the plagues, the Passover, the exodus, the mass exodus, as a means to remember that God can be trusted. And look what it says starting in verse 43. This is a bit of a longer section for us to read, uh, but God's giving instructions on how they, can, how they can remember this moment for generations to come. Verse 43, And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, This is the statute of the Passover. No foreigner shall eat of it, but every slave that is, brought, that is bought for money may eat of it after you have circumcised him. No foreigner or hired worker may eat of it. It shall be eaten in one house. You shall not take any of the flesh outside the house, and you shall not break any of its bones. All the congregation of Israel shall keep it. If a stranger shall sojourn with you and with the, it would keep the Passover to the Lord, let all his males be circumcised, then he may, keep near, may, may come near and keep it. He shall be as a native of the land, but no uncircumcised person shall eat of it. There shall be one law for the native and for the stranger who sojourns among you. All the people of Israel did just as the Lord commanded Moses and Aaron. And on that very day, the Lord brought the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt by their hosts. 
The Lord said to Moses, Consecrate to me all the firstborn, whatever is the first, whatever is the first to open the womb among the people of Israel, both of man and of beast, is mine. When we read that, it may feel like a bunch of rules or ordinances that just don't apply to us today. But I want us to see that there is something significant in what we just read. There's two things that I want to point out here. Okay, the first thing I want to point out is in verse 43. It says, no foreigner shall eat of it. Uh, so this mode of remembrance is food, right? I, you know, I can get on board with this, right? Food, I love a good meal. Food is a typical way for, for people to remember. For example, every time <laughs> I, I drive by a Burger King, I immediately think of our time overseas uh, because Burger King was the place to go. People were, uh, girls were in dresses, uh, in high heels, guys were in ties, date night, in our time overseas, was at Burger King, right? That's just where it was. So whenever I drive by a Burger King or, a, or I eat a Whopper, I remember and think date night, uh, it's time for a date night, right? That's what Burger King brings to mind. But I want to specifically point out here uh, in this first one is what it says, no foreigners shall eat of it. We can say it another way, no outsiders shall eat of it. Or we can say God's people, only God's people shall eat of it. Uh, we see this we see that this mode of remembrance was specifically for Israel. It was specifically for God's people and nobody else. God made this ordinance, this mode of remembrance, specifically for his people. Because God orchestrated this mass exodus out of Egypt so that his people would know him as Yahweh. And that's significant. I want you to remember that for later. And then secondly, the next thing I want to point out in this little section that we just read uh, that said over and over again is that circumcision is required. You may be thinking, okay, this just got a little weird. Uh, but don't worry, I'm not going to go into a detailed explanation of this, of circumcision, but it is significant. Right? It's a mark of their Israel identity. It's one of the distinguishing factors. Right? It was an outward sign of their membership to Israel. It was part of their covenant. Circumc circumcision for the Christian today is not required. Right, Paul in the book of Romans go into great detail on this and shows that for the Christian today, the outward sign of circumcision does not make you part of God's people. Rather, it's a change of heart. What was once outwardly displayed through circumcision is now in inwardly reflected in what a person believes in their heart. To make this plain and simple, our outward works, the things we do, things like uh, rituals, practices, obeying specific rules or laws. These things do not make us Christians. Rather, the only thing that makes us a Christian is believing in our hearts that Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose from the dead. And when we believe this in our hearts, we become God's people. Right? We become members of God's family. And so we've got ordinances in the Old Testament inciting God's people to remember. But they have to be God's people. It's set apart specifically for God's people. God was putting a picture in front of his people so his people would remember this event. Remembering that he's trustworthy, that God is trustworthy, while simultaneously also giving a foresight of something much greater that we'll see fulfilled in Jesus in the Gospels. But I want to keep reading. I will see more of these ordinances put in place to help people, God's people remember. Look what it says in, 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 verse, in verse 3. Then Moses said to the people, Remember this day in which you came out from Egypt, out of the house of slavery. For by, by a strong hand the Lord brought you out from this place. No leavened bread shall be eaten. Today in the month of Abib you are going out. 
And when the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, which he swore to your fathers to give you, a land flowing with milk and honey, you shall keep the service in this month. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread, and on the seventh day there shall be a feast to the Lord. Unleavened bread shall be eaten for seven days. No leavened bread shall be seen with you, and no leaven shall be seen with you in all your territory. And this next part is significant. Look what it says in verse 8. You shall tell your son on that day, it is because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt, and it shall be to you as a sign on your hand and as a memorial between your eyes that the law of the Lord may be in your mouth. For with a strong hand, the Lord has brought you out of Egypt. You shall therefore keep this statue at its appointed time from year to year. We see over and over and over again, God trying to help his people remember. I remember that he's trustworthy, that he has a strong hand, that God moves in power. For them, and then for, for them to eat the unleavened bread right, as a means for them to taste, to taste that the Lord is good. Reminding their children and reminding their children's children. Don't forget the Lord's faithfulness, right? Don't forget the Lord is trustworthy. And parents, this is a quick side note. Let this be a reminder for us, for, for, our, for our call to continually point our kids to the gospel daily, right? To point our kids to God's faithfulness. Like in, in the car, like when we sit down to eat, when we go out, when get, whenever God answers prayer, let's use every moment possible to remember that God is good and that God is trustworthy. And that's what they were doing here. They were remembering how God moved in power in the instant of a single night, how they did not have time to wait for the leaven, how they, how they had to eat the unleavened bread. Right? The unleavened bread for the people of Israel was a reminder of God's redeeming power to get them out of slavery to get them out quickly, right, in haste, as the, t- as the text says. Now, I want to be clear here. The unleavened bread was just a symbol. It was a picture of what happened on that night. as a way for God's people to remember uh, the urgency, right? To remember the urgency throughout many generations. And look what it says next. In verse 11, When the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, as he swore to you and your fathers, and shall give it to you, you shall set apart to the Lord all the first open, all that first opens the womb, and the firstborn of your animals that are males shall be the Lord's. Every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb, or if you will not redeem it, you shall break its neck. Every firstborn of, a, of man among your sons you shall redeem. And pay attention. I, I love this, this next part. Look what it says. It seems strange, uh, and it probably seems strange to the kids because look at verse 14. And when time to come, your son asks you, what does this mean? Right? Meaning, when, when your son comes and asks you, well, why are we sacrificing this lamb? Right? This, this lamb is helpless. It's innocent. Why are we killing an innocent lamb? Letting them know uh, they're going to ask this question. Right? So be ready to answer. And then look what it says, continuing in verse 14. You shall say to him, by a strong hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt from the house of slavery. For when Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go, the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of animals. Therefore, I sacrifice to the Lord all the males that first opened the womb, but all the firstborn of my sons I redeem. It shall be as a mark on your hand or frontlets between your eyes, for by a strong hand the Lord brought us out of Egypt. Essentially saying to to their son, reminding their sons, we do this, son, We sacrifice this innocent lamb so we can remember God's deliverance. We can remember that God has a strong and mighty hand to save. 
Because God's son, because, because son, our God is trustworthy. And we're a forgetful people. People. So we need to continually remember that God, that if God didn't save us from the hand of Pharaoh, we would still be in bondage under the rule in, under the rule of ruthless Pharaoh. But remember, son, God delivered us. We're doing this because we're remembering that God is faithful, that God can be trusted. What we cannot miss here is that everything we just read as a means of remembrance was a, was, a, was a foretaste of a greater deliverance. This greater deliverance would come from God's only Son, uh, his, God's firstborn Son, Jesus Christ, our great deliverer, right? our great redeemer. And I said this several weeks ago, and I'll say it again. We, what we see physically pictured in Exodus is realized spiritually in Jesus Christ. At the Passover... When God passed over the firstborn through the blood and sacrifice of a lamb, God was continuing the story of a lamb, of the lamb, which leads us to our last point. Number three, remember the story of the lamb. Remember the story of the lamb. You know, this imagery of the sacrificed uh, lamb, this was used at the Passover event. This was not the first time this was used. But rather, the story of the lamb in the Bible, maybe you're familiar with this story, it started in Genesis 22 with Abraham and Isaac. And in this story, uh, we saw God introduce the sacrifice of a ram. Right? It was a male lamb for, Abraham, for Abraham's only son, Isaac. This is where God first introduced the idea of a lamb as a substitute sacrifice. In the story, God told Abraham to take his son Isaac, right? his, his only and long-awaited beloved son, to the top of a mountain to sacrifice him. Abraham was obedient uh, and did just as God said. And right before he, he moved forward with sacrificing his son, uh, God provided a lamb and, and, and told Abraham to sacrifice that lamb in place of his son. The lamb was substituted in for Isaac's death. The lamb was sacrificed instead of the son. Right? The lamb was the substitute sacrifice. And then... Uh, in our story uh, in Exodus, we see the story of the Lamb continue. With what we, with what we saw uh, yes, last week uh, and today with the Passover event where a Lamb was sacrificed instead of the firstborn. You know, as, as Pastor Tim Keller so directly uh, and yet poetically points out at both of these events, he said there was either a dead son or a dead Lamb. Right? One had to be killed. Right? One, uh, one had to be sacrificed. And in both instances, it was the lamb. And then the story of the lamb continues. Right? Throughout the Old Testament, we see the, the need for a spotless lamb, right? a lamb without blemish, made for sacrifice. And then in John chapter 1, the very beginning of the New Testament, John the Baptist comes onto the scene and says in, 1 John, or it says in John 1 29, he says, behold the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. In essence, John, John the Baptist looks at Jesus and says, that's the lamb. That's the spotless lamb. That's our eternal substitute sacrifice. That's the lamb that will cover us from the judgment of God. That's the lamb that will die in my place. Just like with Isaac and at the Passover event, this is the good news of the gospel. Jesus, the lamb of God, died instead of us. God's son became the dead and sacrificed lamb whose blood was poured out so that those who trust in Jesus Christ could become redeemed and delivered so that each of us could be redeemed and not only out of physical slavery and bondage, but rather an eternal spiritual slavery and bondage. He was able to do this because may we not forget Jesus, the lamb of God, he did not stay dead. 
but rather he rose from the grave, defeating sin and death. And then ultimately the story of the Lamb ends at the end of the Bible in the book of Revelation when the Lamb of God is seated on his throne where we see his rule over the world for all of eternity. Where we see the, the Lamb of God that rules the world. He is not helpless, but rather he is sovereign and powerful. He is Yahweh, the Lord, who is both powerful and personal, and he can be trusted. And as we hear and remember the story of the Lamb, it should lead us to stop and reflect, to behold the Lamb of God, to behold Jesus Christ, our substitute sacrifice that takes away the sin of the world. My sin, your sin, or if we have faith in him, it should lead us to rejoice. Brothers and sisters, when we read the story of the Passover and the Exodus, it's a call for us to remember. To remember the mighty hand of God that moves in power in an instant. The Passover event is a call for us to remember the mighty hand of God that saved his people out of bondage from slavery. And it's a call for us to remember that God is trustworthy, that God can be trusted, but we would be greatly mistaken if we looked at the Passover event in the book of Exodus and remembered God's mighty hand to move in power in Exodus, but yet not remember how this story was ultimately fulfilled in Jesus Christ, our great deliverer. So with that said, uh, there's a significant part of the story of the Lamb that I don't want us to miss today. In the last several minutes of our time, this part of the story happened right before Jesus died on the cross when his disciples were sitting at a table celebrating the Passover event just like God instructed as a means to remember. This meal with Jesus and his disciples is often called the Lord's Supper or the Last Supper. And per tradition, this specific meal was held after the tradition of the unleavened bread. And so Jesus, when he was holding the Passover meal with his disciples, he was using the meal that was traditionally held to remember the mighty hand of God that was seen in Exodus. He was using to show his disciples that they will soon need to remember something much greater than what we see in Exodus, as we just mentioned, had not yet, but had not happened yet. Jesus, in this moment, was preparing them for a great deliverance, right? a greater redemption out of the hands of another evil ruler, What's interesting is that when Jesus hosted the Lord's Supper, he didn't use the symbolism of the Lamb for God's people to be passed over. As many commentators point out, there wasn't a lamb that was on the table or it wasn't mentioned because as Pastor Tim Keller has said, the lamb wasn't on the table because the lamb was at the table. Jesus Christ, as John the Baptist said, Jesus Christ was the Lamb of God that would take away the sin of the world. And so when we today, in a few minutes, take the Lord's Supper, just like the Passover meal, it's a call for us to remember. It's a call to remember our greatest form of deliverance that was granted to us through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ at the cross. By reminding us that we have been delivered out of darkness and into his marvelous light. That we were delivered from sin and death and we were given, we were given life. That's our greatest form of deliverance. But may we, not, may we not forget that we not only have an eternal deliverance, but God also provides, Jesus also provides daily deliverance. How great is that? Right? Whatever sin struggle you're wrestling with, God wants to deliver you from it. Whatever lies we're believing from the enemy, God wants to deliver us from it. God is in the business of deliverance. Do we trust him 
to deliver us. Maybe it's a friend or someone else you know. Maybe God wants to use you to be a means of deliverance that points them to the ultimate deliverer in Jesus Christ. And so remember, as we take communion, God is a great deliverer. And then secondly, I want us to remember today as we take communion, I want us to remember today that God can be trusted, that God is faithful. The ultimate picture of God's trustworthiness worthiness, and faithfulness was seen at the cross. And as we remember the cross with communion, remember that God is trustworthy. All right? God is trustworthy to forgive us our sin. He is trustworthy to save and redeem. And he is trustworthy to work in the hearts of people. And may we not remember and may we not forget and remember and trust that when God moves, God moves in power. So as we close here, before we get to communion, you know, our God, our new God-given ordinance as followers of Jesus Christ, you know, I want to I call us to a time of reflection. We're going to have a time of reflection, a time for us to remember the two things I just mentioned. Remember God's deliverance. Remember God is trustworthy. They're going to be up on the screen. Remember, God delivered us from sin, from darkness, through his bloodshed on the cross. And a lot of that, remember that God is trustworthy. That said, there's two groups of people that I want to address today before we, before we go into our time of reflection, just kind of setting up communion here. You know, first, I want to, I want to address you today if, if you're not a Christian. Maybe you're here in person, you're watching online. Maybe, you're, maybe you would ask, how do I get into the presence of God? <laughs> how can my sin be passed over? How can, I, how can I be delivered from my sins? Well, you look to the Lamb of God. You look to Jesus Christ. Faith in Jesus alone is what delivers you, what cleanses you from your sin. This is what marks you as a Christian. This is what marks you as a member of the household of God. And just like we read uh, for the rules at the Passover event, if you reject this, if you're not a Christian and you, uh, you reject uh, that Jesus rose from the dead and do not believe this, then we would respectfully ask you to not partake in communion with us. Rather, during this time, uh, we would call you to reflect on this truth. And, and parents, what a great opportunity to explain and display the gospel to your kids. But if you're not a Christian, it can be yours. You can join the family of God through faith. Maybe if, if you're watching online, maybe if, maybe if you've decided to, to partake in this in faith, we would love for you to join us maybe next time you come in. Uh, if, if this is new for you, we would ask you to also uh, please tell someone. And the next group, if you are a Christian here today, this is a call again for us to remember the gospel, to remember the mighty hand of God uh, in our life that delivered us from sin with his outstretched arm. A, a call for us to remember that Jesus Christ can be trusted, that Jesus Christ is the great deliverer. So with that said, uh, you can go ahead and grab your elements that are underneath your seats. I want to just kind of take note here. There's, it's, a, it's disposable uh, for, for COVID reasons. There's a little thin uh, plastic film over the top. So there's two tabs, actually. So the, the top film uh, is for the bread, and the second film is for the, 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 the juice, the elements. And so um, as, as we go into a time of reflection, I'm going to take about a minute. I'm going to pray, and we're going to take about a minute to, to stop and pray and reflect about these two things, the Lord's deliverance and remembering the Lord is trustworthy. So let's pray. Father, you're good. You're trustworthy. Father, you have delivered us from sin. If we are in Christ, we are covered by the blood of Christ. Your, 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 uh, your blood uh, covered us at the cross. So Father, as we sit here and reflect and uh, we wait to take communion together and we all come back up, 
Father, we, we love you. May we remember and reflect on the goodness of God. In Jesus' name, amen.